With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. David Cameron was heard making a joke about how all people from Yorkshire hated each other which was met with a stern reception in Westminster, but he becomes the only Conservative PM to be bought drinks in a Lancashire pub. And as Frometown's FA Cup game was brought forward to avoid a clash with the Cheese Festival, you've got to be kidding me. I know it's cheesy, but this is great. Nacho style of puns don't feel blue. It's September 11th, and you're listening to Talking Trotters. Oh, I love my job. Hello and welcome to Talking Trotters. My name is Alistair Sledge and we've got a great show for you tonight. Andy Ross is going to be joining us. But first, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. The West Ham Olympic Stadium deal was the centre of a lot of controversy this week as Parliament threw out calls for a public inquiry to be held into how the deal was agreed. Recently, a Panorama documentary said that the running costs wouldn't be paid by the club and instead with public money. This includes the cost of goal nets, corner flags car parking maintenance and security. People have accused Boris Johnson of bending over backwards to accommodate West Ham taking the stadium. However, in my opinion, they were the best option. If it hadn't had gone to West Ham, it would have most probably gone to Tottenham, who wanted to demolish the stadium and build their new ground on the site, or it would have ended up in the hands of a foreign property development company. Governments have always subsidised stadium developments due to football's important place in the community. Manchester City received almost £60 million from the Manchester City Council for the conversion of the Etihad Stadium, which was obviously used for the Commonwealth Games. However, West Ham looked to be only paying £15 million of the £272 million that it cost to renovate the stadium, leaving the taxpayer out of pocket. We would have thought that this would have been reimbursed through rent. However, West Ham currently will only be paying £2.5 million a year to take the stadium, which would half if they get relegated. City pay £4 million per year to use the Etihad, and Chelsea and Tottenham will be paying £11 to £15 million to use Wembley uh, if they use that as an intermittent ground while their new stadiums are going to be constructed. Uh, This abuse of public money comes on top of the fact that Premier League teams are renowned for exotic accounting. In the 2011-2012 season, Manchester United, Newcastle United and Tottenham Hotspur paid zero tax. The Oysters Blackpool, if you didn't have enough reasons to hate the twit, paid just £100,000 on their £21 million of recorded profit that year. Only a mad fool would say that he had all the answers. So here are all the answers. Football clubs should pay tax and not abuse public money. That doesn't sound like it should be too difficult, but here we are. 
In other news, England played two games to qualify for the Euros at the top of their groups as they bested San Marino comfortably in a 6-0 victory and beat Switzerland 2-0. Headlines were dominated by Rooney breaking the scoring record, making him the most successful of his kind since Curious George. The way he did it summed up his career, a penalty against two relatively poor teams in a European qualifier. As a tribute, we look back at his best moments. Thanks, Wayne. And now it's time for Abuse the News. This week, a Liverpool fan received £4,000 after settling a false arrest claim in which he was taken into custody for trying to get to the toilet during a football match. Police were blocking his access to the stairs and one of the officers fell over as he tried to pass to delight the away fan singing He Fell Over. And in the blue corner, ironically, Yorkshire's week has gone from bad to worse. The world's fastest tortoise, Charlie, from Yorkshire, had his record broken this week by a South African leopard tortoise called Bertie. He reached 0.6 miles an hour. Is this sports news? Post angry comments about it on our Facebook page while I'm shamelessly plugging it. This week's winner, I think, is going to be the tortoise, because I'm worried I'll make a body camera USA cop joke, which would be inappropriate for the family-friendly show we have going on here. Yep, thanks, Wayne. But an honourable mention for Abuse the News, San Marino scored. Lithuania eventually won the game 2-1 after a last-minute winner, but still, conceding to San Marino is a bit like losing a game of hungry, hungry hippos to an actual hippo. Now to move on to the preview, Bolton host Wolves on Saturday, and that can only mean one thing. Lafondra's back. It's been a long summer for Adam as he tried to find a new club. The fans wanted him, but the club didn't have the money. And after he said he wanted to move to the north of England, Sheffield Wednesday and Wolves started grabbing at his feet like an excited puppy. For those who didn't notice, Lafondra offered a pair of signed boots to Sam James, who was the man behind the hashtag FreeAlf GoFundMe campaign. I always thought the day that I could relate almost lyric by lyric to an Adele song would be a sad time, but here we are, someone like you. Never mind, I'll find someone like you. Bolton is an option for me, yes, after what I did there last season. Right, that's the end of that joke, can't pay for any more of the song. Okay, so now we're going to go over to Tom Malloy for the Under-20 Roundup and hopefully not get us in copyright law court. Tom, over to you. Alex Samizadeh scored in his Under-21 debut on Monday, making him the latest in a long line of messiahs who should obviously be promoted straight to the first team. See also Jamie Thomas. Jokes aside, the 16-year-old Iranian has had a blistering start to the season, scoring six goals in his first four under-18 games, and rightfully earning a promotion to the under-21 squad. I'll reserve judgement fully though until I've actually seen him play in the flesh. I've currently seen more footage of him practicing his gymnastics after he scored than playing any football, but the future does look bright. Jamie Thomas was away with Wales under-19 during the international break, but he couldn't muster a goal as he drew with Poland but I'm sure the experience will do him a world of good. On Monday, our under-21 team took on Cardiff, with the aforementioned Samizade, don't hold me to that pronunciation, scoring our equaliser in a 1-1 draw. On Thursday, we took on our official B team, Wigan Athletic in the Lancashire Senior Cup, and embarrassingly enough, we actually lost. We gave run-outs to Francesco Pizzano, Liam Trotter and Mido Kamara. However, there was no place in the squad for Alex Finney, Rob Holding or Kane Willery, 
which suggests that they may be involved against Wolves on Saturday. Jamie Thomas's fourth and George Newell's second of the season couldn't outweigh Louis Robles' hat-trick for the Pie-Eaters. This was also our first defeat of the season, however we remain unbeaten in the league, sitting in sixth position. We will aim to prolong that unbeaten run when we take on Millwall at home next Monday. I've been Tom Malloy, and this has been your Under-21 Roundup. Cheers Tom, Tom Malloy everyone. And now we go to the final piece of transfer news that happened, and that was that Marvin Sordell has signed for Colchester. He was released from Burnley on transfer day by mutual consent. And all I can think is that if his eyes were that size when he was born, he would look like a bug. Now to wrap up, it's a reaction to the Motherwell game. Heskey and Dobby were the scorers for us, with Keith Lasley's son scoring the final goal to, for Motherwell to make the game 2-1. And joining me to go to the game this week is Andy Ross. How are you doing, Andy? Yeah, really good, thanks. Thanks for having us on. Not too bad. So, you are the host of the Motherwell Fan Podcast, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Mm, and in last week's episode, you were uh, you were saying that because it's the international break, a few uh, few of your regular contributors might not have been able to go to the game. Yeah, that's actually one of the games that's agreed with us. Uh, was in Georgia for the last was this performance on Friday evening, so we were, we were down from our and we recorded to from what I've read it seemed to be quite a, uh, a nice atmosphere Uh, don't usually have nice things said about our uh, our fan base in that way, so uh, so it's nice to start. Um, mm, uh, because it's a it's a Monday when we're recording this, and Mondays aren't great. Uh, we're going to start with the heartwarming story, which is uh, Alfie Lasley's goal in the uh, in the last few minutes. Um, what did you What did you think about? Um, the uh, the tearfulness of his uh, of his appearance. Do you think you were expecting to uh, to win the game with the side you put out, or was it more of a uh, more of a relaxed approach to the uh, to the match? Uh, Ian Barkoff, he did mix the pack, and there was a lot of changes over the course of the game. But I, th- I thought the, the tempo of the game was pretty decent, to be honest. I thought that thought both teams approached the game in the right way. There wasn't too many. Fierce challenges or anything else, as you would, as you would hope, with both teams having big league games next weekend. But it was played in the right spirit, and it was it was a, it was a great moment when when Keith was able to bring on his, his young son, and Bolton very sportingly allowed him to to breeze through the defence, and he was kind of in hysterics by the time he reached the penalty box. So Keith had to swing him at the ball to score. <laughs> uh, I, I saw Keith saying that it was his first assist of the season. Uh, I don't expect he'll get. To be honest, we're still not sure whether uh, Paul Rotuba did actually try to uh, to save it. We're uh, still waiting on that. 
He's, uh, he was a new signing. Uh, I literally announced just the day before the Motherwell game, and it was uh, interesting to see that. Uh, one of the things that made that signing so controversial was uh, that we have a young keeper coming up, uh, Fitzsimmons. And uh, I listened to a few of your episodes, and it seems like uh, Motherwell are also having something of a crisis with your uh, with your youth side and your bringing up of uh, young players into the first team. Uh, did any young players make an appearance in the uh, in the testimonial? Yeah, young Jack McMillan made his first appearance in the during the second half. Uh, my my problem hasn't really been as much that there's not enough young players coming through because I think there is certainly talent within the, the youth setup. My problem is that we seem to be buying players almost for the sake of buying them. Theo Robinson joined last week at Jamaican International and that was our sixth striker that we now have in our books. Which oh, seems we wish we had six strikers. Uh, the, the difference between Muzzle and Bolton though is I suppose Bolton seemed to play Saturday, then a Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and it's a, it's a really grueling schedule, so you need a bit of depth in your squad. We don't need depth quite in that level. And, and, uh, and sometimes you feel that the signings that we're making, some of them in loan are to the detriment of the younger players that have been given a, a sniff of first-team football, but as soon as a new face comes in, the young players are put to one side and the new face will come in, whether it be successful or are unsuccessful, we'll, we'll need to wait and see, but I think with clubs like Motherwell, it's, it's hard to accept at times that your main goal is to, to bring on young talent and sell them on for profit, but but that is really what we've got to be about. If we have to be financially stable, we'd, we don't have a, it's not a hugely profitable league we're in, in terms of revenue and, and television. You'll see Scottish football on Sky, it's five minutes of build-up, the game five minutes of going over the the match and then that's it and to be honest you're only ever on when it's when Celtic visit for Park or mm. in the event of last season when we were in a bit of a relegation battle then the playoffs were on BT Sport but it's not uh, it's not as lucrative as the English League we don't have any illusions that we're, we can anyway compete with English Leagues but I think that's why it's so key to be bringing through young players and We've not done that and sold them on for profit enough in, in recent times, for sure. Right, well, uh, we've got a, we had a few young players starting. Um, Tom Walker, uh, then his substitute appearances for uh, Quay Taylor, uh, Kane Woolery got a bit got a bit of a run out, and uh, Rob Holding. Could you tell us if any of uh, any players in the Bolton side uh, caught your eye, maybe? <laughs> to be honest, it was the first game that I've ever had my, my young daughter at, She's only three, so my concentration levels at the game weren't what they should have been. <laughs> uh, I was, I was very much distracted for, for long parts. But what I, what I was impressed by was the width that, that the Bolton played the game with, uh, pretty fast in the counter and made use of the two wingers. Uh, Heskey up front, always a, always a threat. It's, it's kind of his appearance at first seemed like a bit of a novelty, but you see that he's still got something about him and he took his goal pretty impressively mm. the the one I was kind of disappointed not to see uh, get a run out was young Clough who I've seen a few times and <laughs> I've heard Neil Lennon talk about him with a lot of enthusiasm as well uh, that's the kind of player that Scottish fans love to see and I was 
kind of disappointed that he was he was left at home. Well, there have been uh, some discussions about his form, so uh, there were reasons to uh, to drop him, perhaps as uh, it gave a chance for uh, our Stephen Dobby and uh, and Heskey to have a run out. Well, it seems that all, things always happen when there's a, a big guy in the box, and Heskey definitely fills that uh, fills that requirement. Uh, so, just as we move to uh, to wrap up, uh, how are Motherwell looking for the season ahead? Uh, <laughs> this is a very good question. The the last week, well, and prior to the to the testimonial match, we, we snuck through in the cup against East Fife. We were one 0 down up until ten minutes to go. Took it to extra time and went on to win the game three one. It was a very poor performance, and that was on the back of, of four league defeats as well. So felt like we were already heading for a similar season to to last season. It picked up with the, the 1-0 win against Kilmarnock and, and Saturday we play Ross County, which is not for Park again, which is a massive game. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how all these new players fit into the to the setup. I think it's almost a relief now that the transfer window's closed because we can't make any more changes. <laughs> uh, hopefully things will settle down a wee bit and, and we can push on the the playoff against Rangers last season was fantastic in, in the end, but it was a it was a pretty stressful occasion at the same time. We don't want to be anywhere near those these playoff games at the end of the season. We want to be. I would like to see us push for the top six. I think we'll possibly finish seventh or eighth. But as long as we're well clear of relegation, we can build on it from there. It's it's hard to tell though. There's there's so many teams that are round about us that I would say are at a very similar level. So really, the early season results will count for a lot. Uh, come March, April, when all the big things are decided, I suppose. Mm. Well, I guess. What about you guys? Is it is it a case of Neil Lennon beginning to to stamp his mark? It's, it's very highly thought of, given what he achieved, especially in Europe with Celtic. The new manager at Celtic certainly hasn't been able to hit the heights in in Europe that the Neil Lennon managed to achieve. Yeah, we uh, we've been finding that. It seems that a lot of the predictions for the season are, uh, are varying quite strongly because uh, we've got some people that are all doom and gloom and saying that it's going to be a relegation battle, and uh, some that at the beginning of the season were uh, were heading to the belief that we were going to be challenging for the. For the playoffs, so we had quite a disparity of views, but it seems like at the moment uh, we're going to be mid-table because our start has been appalling again. Uh, we're 23rd in a league of 24, so you can't be particularly positive when you're sitting at that end of the table. But um, yeah, Lennon has been stamping his uh, his mark on us. Uh, he's been given a hell of a job. Uh, to clear out some of the expensive deadwood we have and uh, and try to rebuild his own kind of side on a on a shoestring budget, um, I think we're starting to see that because uh, Derek Asadi, who was the centre back that started, uh, he was one of the main uh, main acquisitions because the ball playing centre back is obviously a very important part of his uh, his preferred three five two that it seems he's trying to start. Um, integrating into our league fixtures so we're just going to have to see how it works um we've got we've not got a lot of depth up front a lot of us wanted to sign a striker uh, and it was confirmed that on deadline day we did miss out on a bid for anthony stokes of celtic so i'm not sure uh it's we've just got to hope i guess um and our 
moving on, I was looking for things that link us, because obviously as we're playing in different uh, countries of football, there aren't many things. And the only thing I could find was uh, Lukas Jokovic. Uh, you had him for a short spell in Motherwell, and I, uh, I heard his name mentioned in the opening theme to your, uh, your, to your show. Uh, I'm assuming you've heard about his uh, cruciate injury. Yeah, I was, I was really disappointed to read that. It was a, a very popular figure at Motherwell. He scored the, the memorable, what an incredible goal he scored in the, the 6-6 draw against Hibs. Motherwell were 6-2 down that day and fought back for a 6-6 draw. And possibly remains as one of the most incredible games <laughs> that uh, any Motherwell fans witnessed. It, it, was, it was very popular. It's, it's a shame... He seemed to push on and then he has been hampered a lot by, by injury. He always seemed to score goals wherever he went. He had a good record at Middlesbrough, settled in at Burnley quite well. can't really remember much of his time at, at Bolton. Was that quite hampered by injuries as well? No, it was very short. It was also a lone move. But, um, yeah. but a lot of people were, uh, were bringing up his name in the transfer window in a direction to Forest, which is, of course, where, uh, where our old manager, Friedman, Friedman currently works. Uh, right, well, I think we can end it there. Uh, thank you for joining us, Andy. And um, oh, an absolute pleasure. And again, we can all find you on the MFC podcast 1886. Uh, a link will be in the description. Okay, Andy Ross, everyone. We'll be right back. All right, that's our show. My thanks to Andy Ross and, as always, Tom Malloy. Talking Trotters will have a season finale next week, but we'll return after a short hiatus to become a fortnightly show. That's right, we're going to be breaking news to you two times a month now. Uh, this is because over the summer holidays, I forgot that I went to school and churning out this high-quality show... Uh, OK, then, just churning out this show uh, might become difficult to do every week. This will mean that we'll have higher-quality shows with more sketches and more of the bits that you like. Who knows, it may even be longer. Kevin Davies couldn't be with us this week as he is too busy enjoying retirement. When the news came through, I'll have you know I only cried about it for 15 minutes. He was also too busy checking out our Facebook page, so go do that too, where you can leave comments about how education was harder in your day. I probably won't cry about that. Also, vote for us in the Football Blog Awards. We might win an award, but you will definitely win our respect, a prize which money cannot buy. That is why it's currently a free agent and is training with Lake Norient. I've been Alistair Sledge. Good night.